Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we are going over a slightly top-heavy UFC 270 card headlined by the heavyweight title strap between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan. A little bit of bad blood slash friendly banter slash whatever you want to call it. If you guys saw that press conference, that was one of the weirdest press conferences I think I've ever seen. Uh, and then obviously in the Coleman event, we have the smallest weight class uh, in the men's division, the 125-pound division. Uh, Brandon Moreno defending the title that he snatched from Davidson Figueredo last year. And they're going to throw down for the third time, hopefully for our entertainment's sake. It's closer to the first fight than the second fight, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that goes down, especially considering all the polarizing opinions that we have on both sides. Before we continue the show, though, I do want to give a special thank you, special congratulations, Special thanks, special appreciation for everybody that followed me and Cody on over to the All-Star for yesterday's Propping You Up show. I, I've seen their subscriber numbers go through the roof. We appreciate everybody that uh, followed through and subscribed with them as well. Showed them that me and Cody can make an impact, especially when we do that Propping You Up show. Uh, and, and all the likes, all the loves, all the comment. You guys absolutely killed it. I could not be more thankful. So thank you guys for that. And remember, every pay-per-view propping you up episode is going to be over there on the all-star with me and cody every fight night uh propping you up show with me and john uh john stragarian we're going to be doing that still on my channel over here but again the the future is that of that is still tbd depending on how the success of the pay-per-view episodes go so again appreciate everybody following us over there and lastly the audio versions of all of those podcasts pay-per-view or fight night will still be on my mma lock of the night stream so if you are team podcast don't worry about it. It's not going anywhere. All right. Uh, like I said, we are going over UFC 270, and I did have a pretty decent guest that I was waiting to announce for you guys. Unfortunately, they had to pull out last minute, but luckily, I got a great group of guys around me, and I'm so thankful and so blessed to have a great community of friends here in the MMA Twitter sphere and MMA uh, betting and prediction sphere, and luckily, we're able to... Uh, plug the holes here with one of the best guys that are out there uh yesterday we had cody so why not bring in the other half of the dogger pad past podcast and i think he has a little friend that he brought along with him too welcome to my brother paul shaughnessy and apparently hasbulas chilling in the background what's going on paul yeah two goats two goats one frame right here uh <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not the go. Hasbullah obviously is the go. That's the. Uh, I've been. I've been sitting on this thing for a while. We've got a new studio for Mayo Media Network uh, that should be up. I mean, I've been saying this for a while. It's like in a couple weeks type of thing. Um, the, we're just putting the finishing touches on it. That will be a fixture of the new studio. Um, so I figured. I don't know. I, I wanted to dress up. This is literally just my couch. This is not like a studio. I just thought if I'm going to come UFC 270, you know heavyweight title gotta dress up the uh the couch a little bit for for manfred here uh, i absolutely appreciate it and again you you don't need any of the the lights and the bells and the whistles or anything like that you put a husband anywhere and that guy's making money or turning heads some way somehow so i appreciate you taking that extra bit of effort to put him there but uh let's just get your quick thoughts on ufc 270 right we lost two fights this morning uh Hadolfo Vieira can't make it to the scale apparently it's not covid or weight cutting related 
you know, it's hard to believe that considering how much weight cutting this guy does. And then obviously the other big stinker was finding out that Ilya Teporia also, uh, due to medical conditions, was not able to continue cutting weight. That fight with Charles Jordan, who did make that 145-pound uh, weight limit, even without having to step on the scale like a true professional. Uh, yeah, that fight's crap too. What, what are your thoughts about those uh, two cancellations from this morning? Well, let's start with Toporia. I mean, that's just like, that's just karma. Bad karma. Right? Rata. I think what he's trying to do, because like, if you look at like the featherweight division, you have you know, Max Holloway. He's been a fixture of that division for so many years. Like one of the nicest guys on the roster, maybe outside of Brandon Moreno, who seems yeah. incredibly, incredibly nice as well. Volk is the champion. He's a nice guy. They, there's no Connor anymore in the division. Like they, they kind of need the bad guy. And it seems like Topuri is trying to fit that bill, but I, I, I don't know. In the times that we're in right now, someone drops out with COVID. I'm sure Mozart Evloev would prefer to have not been in this situation and would want to have fought. It was a big spot, a big opportunity for both of them to really put themselves on the map, put themselves in like that top five contender. You know, their next fight after this fight probably would have been someone like, yeah, at least top seven, I would imagine. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, talk about it uh, coming coming back to bite him in the ass. Um, as for Rodolfo, I have no idea what happened with him. He struggled with the weight cut multiple times before, and I was kind of waiting on that one before I really made a decision. I think I liked, I liked Rodolfo. He's just like his takedowns are pretty solid, and when he gets it to the ground, he's obviously as dangerous as anybody in the world. Um, yeah, who knows what happened with him, but uh, it's a real bummer because, like, and it's happened like the last couple of weeks. Is like these cards, they, they definitely the UFC had intentions to make really, really yeah. solid cards here, and uh, everything's kind of fallen off at the seams. But we're used to it. We're what we're almost two years into this pandemic now. You just got to learn and adapt and move forward. At least it's not as bad as last week, right? Last week, it felt like, I forgot who it was. It was Gabriel Benitez was like the first one that fell off. And then there was just a domino effect of all these other fighters falling off. And it felt like centuries since Benitez had pulled out of his fight, considering how much had happened since he pulled out. But so if we're only losing two fights for this card, I'm okay with that, all right? I, I, I get it. Again, the main card is not as sexy anymore uh, by losing that Rodolfo Vieira fight. Uh, and then obviously the prelims take a hit with the Toporia fight being gone. But we're still getting the heavyweight strap. We're still getting Brandon Moreno and Figueiredo. You know, when it was initially announced for the third time, <clears throat> my interest level wasn't really that high. But as the fight is starting to get closer, honestly, it's I'm having it like neck and neck in between the main event and this fight, especially with Figgy, what Figgy's been doing, the press conference and just dressing up as the villain, the James Bond villain, as people call him and all that. Uh, do you have a preference in terms of which fight you're kind of you know, more interested in the, the main event or a co-main event here? I've been like a Francis Ngannou nuthugger supporter since day one. And I've always told myself, I'm like, this guy, he just has the combination of power and speed, like un unlike anybody that we've ever seen with four ounce gloves on. So I just, I always get overly excited every single time the guy's in there. It's obviously been a while since the yeah. Steve Bay fight. And there's obviously all the other dramas and stuff. And who knows what's entirely true with all right. of that stuff too i think i think there could be a little like ufc finagling where it's like these guys aren't the most interesting so like let's set this little narrative because like i saw that francis is like the the head of this uh the nft rollout like he's he's oh yeah it's like do you think the ufc would have put him 
in that position if if he was you know if they were looking to get rid of him after yeah. after Saturday night I don't think so so I think there could be a little you know jockeying from the 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 promotion standpoint uh to kind of add a little element of something to this fight but I mean it's heavyweight t- t- championship of the world I love both of these guys but uh, I, I, I've I've caught there's some people have uh, said that we're going to have a little bit of, of a debate. I saw that too. I, I can't wait to get to the main event here. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll save that for a little later. Well, in the show. Well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Let's let's get into the, the actual breakdowns here. We we got about thirteen or sorry eleven fights. We did have thirteen fights. Now we have eleven fights to get through. So let's let's start it on off with our fellow Canadian Jasmine Jazdevich is going up against Kay Hansen. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus uh, two thirty five for Hansen, plus one ninety the return on Jazdevicious. Um, I'm a bit of a Jazz Devicious believer. I mean, I feel like this minus 200 line or a plus 190-ish line is a bit of a spit in the face to what her talent and what she can actually bring to the table. Kate Hansen always seems to get a little bit of extra love from the public, right? She was a pretty decent favorite over Jin Yu Fry in her UFC debut. She was a little bit of a favorite in that uh, Corey McKenna fight, which I still believe she won. You know, I mean, I think that judge was, uh, or those judges were smoking a little bit something too much. Uh, and now this one here against Jasmine, even though she's coming off the contender series, and there seems to be that narrative out there that people love to fade these contender series debutants. I think Jazz Dovicious has a decent skill set she brings to the table. Not to mention a five-inch height advantage, a five-inch reach advantage, and say what you want about her ability to establish that reach advantage. Uh, I think the strength is actually what's going to come into play here in terms of being able to control the fight in the clinch position, uh, especially in the takedowns. And I think that Jasmine could end up on top. My hesitancy also is when it does get to the ground, I will say Kay Hansen is the better jujitsu player and I'm hoping it's not one of those women women's MMA armbar from guard type of situations that pulls off here, but I had to take a small shot on Jazz Devicious around plus 205. I thought the line was too wide. I think she's live in this spot uh, and then on the feet, last thing about this last on the feet, I do think she's a little bit better. She's more aggressive in my opinion and I think she lands the better strikes on the feet. So, uh, closer to a pick line in my opinion, which is why I got to go with the dog here and i actually believe she is gonna win this fight so i'm going jazz the vicious decision what do you like here i actually went on the other side but i did not touch that money line minus 225 mm-hmm. i think best case scenario it's about right there may be value on the underdog in this spot what i didn't like about what i saw from jazz the vicious in her uh i'm gonna call it double j it's just too much of a mouthful <laughs> jasmine <laughs> what i didn't what i didn't like from double j in her uh in her contender series fight one she really slowed down in round three um against Palastri, and two i just she definitely has like you know the five inch reach advantage here and all that stuff but there just wasn't like from her jab like there just wasn't any pop i feel like Kay hansen's gonna if she fights a smart game plan she's gonna fight through those shots, those shots are not going to keep her off of her. If she gets this fight to the mat, I think she's a significantly better grappler. So I, I scooped up some uh, some Hansen by sub plus 450 the other day. I saw like five dimes open to that plus 715. I, for reasons I don't even have to get into, I'm not <laughs> able to bet there anymore. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't have that account funded. But uh, yeah, that would have been a nice little grab. Plus 450, I thought was a decent little spot. So I've got a small, small wager on Hansen by sub. But it's not, it's not easy. And I usually don't like 
if I'm thinking along the lines of we need to get this to the mat, well, dealing with a 115 pounder going up to 125 pounds to take on a larger woman, then she's got to take her down and control her. It's not exactly like I don't love the bed. It's just a, it's just a shot that I felt like I had to take. I think that the deeper that this gets, Double J will uh, slow down a little bit. Hopefully, we get to the mat and then and sub her out. But yeah, not a spot that I'm not going to be shocked if I uh, if she doesn't pull off the sub at plus four fifty for me. Well, Hansen has definitely uh, gotten the third round submission finish in her UFC debut against Jenny Fry. So it is live, and I have acknowledged, obviously, that she's the better jiu-jitsu player. So I'm excited to see how that fight plays out. All right, let's keep this thing moving along. we got another women's scrap coming up here. Vanessa Demopoulos going up against Silvana Gomez-Juarez in terms of odds. Minus 140 on Demopoulos and plus 120 on uh, on Juarez. Now, um it, the the way in uh it seemed like Demopolis was a little bit like I don't know what it was like she came out sweating like she came out pretty nice and sweaty to to hop onto the scale and, and make the weight but then afterwards as she made the weight you know she was relieved she was happy she's trotting all over the stage and all that stuff so uh maybe I'm just reading into the way in a little bit too much I don't think it's gonna have too much of an effect on the fight let me just say that but uh this is such a weird fight, a binary fight in terms of Demopolis should drag this fight to the ground, go for a submission. If she just watched that Lupito Godinez fight, she should have the skill set to replicate that. My question mark, though, is does she have the wrestling that Godinez has? And I'm not completely sold that she does. I think she's going to struggle to get this fight to the ground. Juarez, you know, although she did get submitted, what, two or three minutes into that fight with uh, Godinez, she showed some decent things in terms of being able to get back to her feet and making it a little bit tougher for Godinez to actually get the takedown. Ultimately, she does get the takedown. But if she shows that type of resistance against a girl like Demopolis, I think she could stop the takedowns of Demopolis. And then Demopolis, more often than not, when she can't get the takedown, it seems like she settles with striking. And I feel like if both of these women go out there and strike, Juarez will likely have the advantage here. Maybe not with the output, but with I think she uh, has the more impactful shots, the more devastating blows. Uh, and I think that's what the judges will see in the spot. I, I, with all that said, I want none of my money on in this fight. I am taking Juarez. I'm taking her plus 120. If I'm taking a prop, it's going to be the decision side as well. Uh, I just can't bet Demopolis. Not even at minus 140, dog. I want none of that. So I got I got Juarez here taking the plus money shot. Uh, if I were to take the bet, how do you feel about this one? Pretty similarly to you. Yeah. This is the fight that puts the pass and fight pass. And... Um... Yeah, Demopolis, yeah, she's got well, a decent jiu-jitsu game, as you were alluding to. Yeah. Not much of a wrestling game. It's like, frankly, like, well, she trains with, like, Dern and uh, and who else? So, actually, she she used to. Uh, she actually did the majority of the training camp down in Arizona. Shout out to my guy, Brandon Olivas. Uh, and and uh, Santiago DeFranco, uh, one of the coaches over there at Fight Ready, he has his own gym called Siege okay. MMA. And that's where she was training, you know, training – she didn't really have many training partners to be honest at siege there's i think the main guy that trains out of there is the guy that just beat uh maquan americani uh I can't, the Hawaiian. i can't remember his name but uh that's like really the only guy out of siege <laughs> but she has trained return in the past like you're saying uh black house she, she used to be up there but now she's down in arizona from okay well whatever. maybe well that takes away my narrative there because like <laughs> i haven't been impressed by very much that has been coming out of that gym for for a while now yeah um and Juarez was putting in time with uh, with Moreno, I believe, coming into this camp. Maybe they've you know put in a hard camp. She looked pretty good on the scales. Yeah, 
not a fight that I want to put any money on, to be perfectly honest. But uh, could be live some live opportunities if you can see that. You know, Demopolis 100% can't get the takedowns. Maybe it would be worth a shot on Gomez Juarez, but we'll see how it shakes out. Probably just a just a fight I'll be paying attention to live because I expect um, us to at least see a round or two uh, between these two. Uh, you got to give me a pick. Who you got here? You got to go with pick. Gomez Juarez as well. Gomez Juarez. All right, perfect. All right, let's keep this thing moving along here. We got the steamroller Matt Frivola taking on Ganero Valdez in terms of odds minus one twenty for the steamroller plus one seventy the return on Valdez. Uh, I already got to play on this fight. If it wasn't for the durability issues and the chin issues of Matt Frivola. Two of his three uh, losses coming via knockouts. Uh, I'd have way more confidence in him, and I'd probably take that money line at minus 200 because I think skill for skill, he blows this cat out of the water, but I just can't trust that chin or that durability. So what I ended up opting for is the under two and a half, which I got around just around even money. I think either one of these guys gets a finish. Ganero Valdez beating up on tomato cans on the regional scene. You know, guys that are just falling over and kind of just giving him that opposition. And he's able to get the rear naked choke in those spots. Uh, and then on the flip side with the, for Vola, the guy, every guy he's faced has been a tough competitor pretty much right uh terrence mckinney yeah he might be a early ko or bust kind of guy but he got the early ko in that spot luis pena uh you know lando venata Armand Sarukin, say what you want about that fight, but he made that way more competitive than it. the odds had indicated that fight was going to go. So, uh, he, yeah, he may have got swept on the cards and all that, but the guy put up a damn good fight. I think that uh, Favola out-wrestles this guy almost immediately, gets this thing to the ground, and eventually finds a submission in the first or second round. Mm -hmm. I like the under two and a half. I like Steamroller. I just wish I could trust the chin a little more. Steamroller is the pick. Uh, under is the bet. What do you like here? Haven't made the bet yet. It's one of it's on my uh, my little list of bets here or potential bets, and it just says frivolous submission with question marks around. <laughs> I um, like I've been it. Considering it all week, and I think that is the path of least resistance yeah. for him. Um, I think what we saw from Valdez is at least <clears throat> he looks very very durable. Obviously, he's ten and zero. That Dana White contender series fight. Oh my god! Not <laughs> a like that first round and his opponent. Showed up without a mouthpiece, with a knock on, looked completely out of sorts. But it got real dicey. For I mean, he went off at some absurd numbers. Minus like, 1100, I think it was. Minus 1100, yeah. whatever. Just like it was insane, the, like the, the amount of steam that came in on him. Probably because nobody knew anything about the guy from Alaska FC. Exactly. And, <laughs> and everyone knew that, okay, well, this guy's at least friends with Brandon Moraine. <laughs> and that's sometimes all it really takes on these contender series fights is a few in uh you know a few big name people in our industry make the bet on it nobody everyone's just kind of blind tailing yeah. and uh and it gets steamed out of proportion but i did not well, i did not like for one second what i saw from gennaro uh gennaro valdez whatsoever it was really sloppy he seemed to run out of gas at the end of round one it almost Looked like his opponent was more tired or was less tired than him. And, you know, he ended up dropping his mouthpiece again. The Patrick, Patrick White yeah. um, ended up dropping his mouthpiece again and got, uh, and then it was a finish. But it was very, very entertaining fight, but not like neither one of those guys, from what I saw, really deserved to get a UFC contract. I think the only reason why Valdez is on this card is because he's Moreno's buddy. Uh, Frivola, 
And then I think where you're, I think at plus money where you got your action in is a great play because that kind of covers you from both angles. That Frivola's biggest question mark has been his durability. Is he able to take the punch? Um, oh, I'll probably end up. Uh, I see DraftKings Sportsbook has a uh, like we can't bet it up here in Canada, but mm-hmm. I've got, there's other books that basically steal their lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a plus four hundred out there for uh, Frivola by sub that I'll probably take a little sprinkle on because I think that is the path of least resistance. And I think uh, for a guy who's coming off of probably a pretty embarrassing, you know, first round knockout loss, Terrence McKinney, I think he's going to try to get himself out of any sort of danger as early and as often as possible as he can in this fight. So Frivola by sub is uh, how I see this one shaking out. I like it as well. Plus 400, like you said, on Frivola's sub. And then on the flip side, if you are liking the Valdez side, uh, plus four, uh, 330, plus 400, certain spots I'm seeing for him to win by KO. I think that's the spot that you're going to have to go with uh, if you like that side. All right, let's keep this moving along. Uh, we got uh, Jack Dalla Madalena going up against Pete Rodriguez. In terms of odds, we got minus 335 for Madalena and plus 260 the return on Pat or Pete Rodriguez. Now, Pete Rodriguez uh, stepping in on short notice for Wild. Alves, uh, talk about a completely different change in, in, in level of expertise and uh, level of opponent here. Uh, Pete Rodriguez, 4-0 in his professional MMA career, literally just deading dudes as soon as he touches them, but a lot of those guys seem like absolute tomato cans. I'm not sure if you saw that fight with that Guzman guy where he flying kneed him and then just hammer-fisted the back of his head 75 <laughs> times, and then the ref said nothing about the hammer-fist. Exactly. I'm like, guys, like at least warn him or something. And then even the Guzman guy's like holding the back of his head. He's like, what? And nobody's even paying any attention to him. They're like, ah, we got the dub for Pete. Let's move on. Uh, but yeah, that's Pete's game, man. But if you go back and watch some of his regional tape, man, it kind of looks ugly. Like when he doesn't get that knockout, it gets very ugly for him. People are able to grapple him, get him to the ground and kind of control him there. And uh, I feel as though uh, that's what Jack is going to look to do here. At times, he's, uh, you know, been a little bit of a slow starter. But I think once he's able to uh, either get this fight to the ground or... Uh, take a couple of the big shots from Pete and keep chugging, I think that Pete's going to start slowing down, and I think he's going to have trouble dealing with uh, a very impressive Jack Della Maddalena, man. I was really impressed with what I saw on his Contender Series tape, and I really liked uh, watching his... Uh, uh his regional tape as well man it was very fun like he was not in any boring fights likes to move forward likes to throw hands combinations has good wrestling has good jiu-jitsu i think this kid could turn into something with a little bit more grooming and i think this pete rodriguez fight is one of those like just don't get knocked out and you run through this guy and i think that's exactly what's going to happen so i played this fight a a couple ways i've taken the under one and a half because i feel like jack could you know weather the first couple minutes here and then start to take over at the ending of the first round or early second round i've also thrown in the fight doesn't go to decision into a couple parlays i know it's a little bit juiced at this point in time but i think it's a damn good parlay piece uh as i don't see this fight going the full 15 minutes uh and, and jack man jack inside the distance i know it's at uh uh, favorite money at this point in time, but I think this guy runs through him, man. Like, it's almost, it is almost a, again, I don't want to diss your boy, Francis Ngannou, but it's kind of like that archetype of a fight where, like, just stay away from the big bomb and you should be okay. And I feel like that's what Jack is going to be able to do in this spot. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Jack. I like Jack a lot, but I like the violence bet uh, the most in this spot. What do you what are you like in here? Uh, I mean, it's the Pete, Pete Rodriguez is like the ultimate wild card. It's like we don't really know 
what this guy can do outside of the first round. And I, I, he just looks like a real, real, like green sloppy brawler. Like, I don't know if he has much of a ground game whatsoever, at least Magdalena in his, uh, in his fight with uh, Lusa, you know, he was, he, he got the fight to the mat a bit. He looked, he showed some grappling chops. I think, uh, I think, I, I mean, I just seem to be drawn to a whole bunch of submission props this week, but yep. uh, him by sub is like plus 700 out yeah. there. Take that. Um, that, I think that uh, Madalena has some decent stand-up. He was definitely getting hit with some shots. It was a fun, competitive, hard fight with Lusa, but he, he won very, pretty cleanly, um, or pretty clearly. Um, yeah, I think Madalena gets the job done. It's, it's If you were going to bet Rodriguez, it's, it's 100% you would just bet him by knockout. Like, we don't know anything about this guy. He hasn't fought anybody of any sort of note. It's kind of like, where did they even find this guy? I have no idea. Um, but I think the, the submission prop, because he did show some grappling chops and some willingness to get the fight to the mat against Lusa. That could be a decent little uh, angle on this fight. Obviously, yeah, the money line minus one, minus 335 is the best on the market right now. Um, it's probably parlayable, but... Yeah, Pete Rodriguez is like the ultimate wilds card. No idea what to really expect from this guy long term. I'm not expecting very much. I'm expecting, you know, comes in four and zero, oh, leaves four and two, four <laughs> <Yeah>. and three. <laughs> yeah. I'm that line of They'll well. use them as a as a, a bouncing ball for like other prospects that they're looking to to prop up. But I mean, I guess we'll find out on Saturday night. But yeah, Madalena should roll. Um, inside the distance, like minus 175 right now, that's probably decent. Um, and then the sub prop is interesting, but like that's not really Madalena's game, right? It's he's not, he has it though, he has it up, but yeah, he's more of like a technical striker. Um, has some really nice combinations in and out of the pocket. Um, that is probably more likely, but if he wants to take the path of least resistance, uh, it doesn't there really isn't any reason to think that Rodriguez is some sort of like superhero on the ground. Cause he's never tried to take it there anyway. Yeah. Uh, if you do like Pete and you like trends, uh, Rodriguez round one plus seven fifty. just saying, but I don't yeah. know anybody that likes Rodriguez to be honest. All right. Let's keep, yeah. I don't think like a single soul has bet Pete <laughs> Rodriguez this week. Uh, and the line kind of reflects that, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Yep. Let's move on to the next fight here. Um, another uh, contender series alum making his debut. We got Tony Gravely going up against Simon Oliveira. In terms of odds, uh, we're currently looking at minus 250 for Gravely, plus 200 on Oliveira. Um, Oliveira, I will say, he was the one that looked the most sketchiest on the scale this morning, but the guy still made the weight. No issues, uh, but he seems like a guy that cuts a ton of weight to get to that uh, to get that to that weight class. Uh, so yeah, of course he's going to look a little bit drained, but we'll see how it plans out tomorrow when he steps inside the gauge. Uh, in terms of this fight, Gravely uh, has all the skill sets to be you know a top five guy. Great wrestling game, good pressure, uh, decent pace. It's just his cardio sometimes kind of fails him, right? That's where Nate Maness is able to find that opening, knock him out. Uh, a couple other fights. Uh, escaping me right now where he loses them in the second or third round as his uh, productivity starts to drop off. And I feel like you can't have that type of uh, style against a guy like Oliveira, who 
you know, say what you want about his regional uh, level of competition. Uh, and when he did take a step up, uh, specifically against Aris Farias in the ACA or ACB, I think it was, he got grounded out that entire fight. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just got controlled for the entire 15 minutes. But the difference, in my opinion, between Farius and Gravely is that Farius is a high-level jiu-jitsu guy. Like, he had the chops to keep the guy on the ground. Sure, Gravely has the ability to ground this fight, but how good is he going to be in terms of keeping Oliveira in that position or even working to finish him in this spot? Uh, I, I think we see Gravely, you know, have success early here and then start to drop off a little later and uh, give up a guillotine choke to my guy, Simon Oliveira, here who has six guillotine choke wins on his record uh, i think he finds himself another one here from a desperation takedown from tony gravely but instead of playing the money line on uh simon here i actually went with the under two and a half in this spot because i do think that gravely has some finishing capabilities uh the under is, is currently sitting around planet uh plus 100 i got in around plus 115 uh so some action definitely coming in on it Gravely does like to work for the finish. I know Oliveira hasn't been finished, but I think that this is the type of guy that could push him to that extent. But if he doesn't get the finish, that's where I think that Simon's finishing opportunity starts to arise, and I think he capitalizes on it. So the pick is Oliveira. No bet on him at plus 200. I would rather just take the under 2.5 and, and cover both outcomes, as I think whoever wins will likely get a finish in the spot. How do you like the spot? I actually bet uh, Gravely by knockout. Yeah. Because on the, watching the Contender series, I made note of it, uh, you know, when I was watching that. I, I tweeted about it. And I don't know if he was just doing it because he's on Contender series and he's trying to get a contract. But, like, the amount of reckless spinning back fists this guy threw yeah. <laughs> was just alarming. I don't know if Tony Tony Gravely or Gravely is the guy to do it, but he does definitely have some uh, some power in his hands. That Nate Maness fight, if there's 10 more seconds at the end of round one there, um, he's getting he's getting the knockout victory in that spot. Like Maness was on a different planet. And uh, as Cody on on our on Dogger Pass this week pointed out to me, it's like his corner like picked him up and like carried over over the stool, which is not supposed to happen either. Um, and obviously comes back, gets the second round finish. I am worried about Gra Gravely uh, gassing later in the fight. That's why I went with the KO prop, a plus 335. Uh, but I feel like this, this is going to be a recurring thing until it hits for me, and maybe I lose multiple times in a row. But <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe he doesn't throw a single spinning back fist this time. He gets the win. He, gets, he wins the bet for you. And... Um, and you know, then 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 maybe that'll save me some money long term. But uh, if he continues doing those spin, the reckless spinning backfists that I saw, somebody with decent power who can just stand and wait for him to overextend on those is going to send him into oblivion. So I know he hasn't been finished, but uh, yeah, I took the shot on uh, Gravely plus third uh, plus three thirty five uh, by knockout. I like it again. I'm on the under, so as long as somebody gets a finish, I'll be happy, and I'll be a little extra happy just so you're able to cash that ticket as well. Although I will say Oliveira by submission is sitting around plus 500, plus 550 as well for anybody interested in that angle too. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, I believe it is now the prelim headliner. We got our guy Howdy Barcelos finally making his way back to the cage, going up against uh, UFC debutante. 
Victor Henry in terms of odds. Uh, we currently are sitting with minus 510 now on our guy, Howney Barcelos, plus 375 on Victor Henry. Now, Victor Henry is not one of those slouches they just picked up off the side of the road to be like, hey, COVID era, we need fighters. Hop in there with a killer like Howney Barcelos. Victor Henry has been around the block. The guy's fought all over the world, has a tremendous amount of experience, uh, and finally getting the opportunity I thought should have come a long time ago. But Talk about a very tough first fight. Honey motherfucking Barcelos. Um, <clears throat> shades of prime Jose Aldo at times when he's getting his combinations off and his leg kicks off. Uh, has a great wrestling game as well. Has a solid jujitsu game. Uh, I feel like he can just put it all together here and just wipe out uh, Victor Henry over 15 minutes. Uh, Victor, you know, he has been submitted a couple times and that is absolutely an option here for Honey if he actually looks to pursue that. But there has been times where he kind of just allows the fight to just play out on the feet. And sometimes uh, he's ahead on the scorecards there. But, you know, he, he opts not to take the path of least resistance at times. And that is a little bit of a concern. But Marcellus by sub sitting at plus 350. I ultimately think he goes out there and just beats him over 15 minutes, outstrikes him, outwrestles him, outscrambles him, uh, and, and gets the better of him at plus 140 for Barcelos to win by decision. I like that spot. Uh, did I parlay Barcelos earlier when he was around that minus 330, 340-ish range? Hell yeah, of course I did. But when he's getting closer to minus 500, minus 600, then you have to start thinking a little bit whether it's worth it at that point. But uh, I still like Barcelos in here. I I've been super high on him. I know he hit a bump in the road last time against Timur Valiev, where uh, it seemed like you know he let the fight pass him by. Timur you know, did a great job in terms of moving. Uh, kind of just throwing more volume than Barcelos. Barcelos finally picks it up in the second round, even drops him uh, or rocks him, I believe, uh, but then lets the foot off the gas again in the third round and kind of lets the fight slip uh, slip through his fingers. But uh, hopefully that woke him up, and now he can go in there against a guy like Victor Henry, which should be a squash match, and he goes out there and does exactly that. So I'm going Barcelos. I'll give Victor his due. The guy will get a couple wins, but I think it won't be happening tomorrow night. Who do you like in this spot? Yeah, Barcelos is a super, super underrated. Well, I guess the books are wise to it now. Super, super underrated guy. He's He's got all the skills, you know, in spades. His, his problem is that he's fighting at bantamweight. He's already 34 years old. It's like he's running out of track at this point. It's not a – it's a uh, young man's game at 135 pounds for sure. Um, I, 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 I echo a lot of the same sentiments as you. We got done dirty on this one because, you know, the original opener from the first time this fight was booked was like minus yeah. 285. And then every single time they've rebooked it now, the books just keep creeping up and up. And now it's yeah, at, at minus 500. I mean, my boy Cody Saftik will probably have Rowney top ticket material, yeah. I would imagine, on his parlays. But uh, not, not, not a way that I typically attack these things. I think you're by sub prop is not exact not a bad look um or that that interest in that but yeah i think roundy wins um but yeah the price is kind of getting away from me at this point so and yeah and he's it hurt it, it hurt me a bit i was i was heavy on him against team revalia oh. i thought it was i thought that fight was a draw and it should have clearly 10 been a round two yeah yeah, yeah yeah i could see that i thought it was a 10 eight round two but um Either way, he was he was a chalk favorite. You don't want to be putting your money uh, in fights that are that close in those types of situations. So 
I don't have anything on it this week. Uh, Rowney, Rowney hurt my, my, or broke my heart last time out, but uh, I think he gets the dub here. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. That is the uh, headliner for the prelims there. That brings us on over to the main card. And I do want to shout out the 150 live viewers that we currently have. Shout out to you guys for joining us on this Friday evening. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe before you guys uh, get on out of here after we finish the main card. And show my guy Paul some love as well. You guys can follow him and on Twitter right there you see it under his face there at paul shag on twitter and then obviously you guys know him from the dog repass podcast make sure you guys go support those guys over there if you don't already him and cody absolutely killing it if i'm not mistaken you, you can correct me on this you guys were like one of the first five set of people to actually start doing this type of content right like you guys were one of the ogs from back in the day that said i want to do a betting show on youtube or some shit I threw it yeah, out there, right? I, I think like MMA analysis, they were doing their their show back then as well. But and Luca Fury was doing stuff on uh, Sure Dog Radio Network. But yeah, me and Cody went to college together, yep. and uh, everybody else would get together. Like we went to like a sports media school. Everybody else would get together, and you know, in radio roundtables, they would talk about you know, oh, what are the Leafs up to this week, and yada yada, all that. You know, same jibber jabber that you you see on Canadian television incessantly. It doesn't stop. And me and Cody would always just break down the the UFC card. So there's actually a bunch of like dark episodes that never really Ooh. saw the light of day. Um, I don't. Know, we don't even have copies of them. Uh, that would have been great. Could you imagine? Yeah, I bet. I bet you. For fun. And like back then, it's like we were broke students, so it's like yeah. My bets were like five dollars. Like I, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, so we we did that. We we thought we had a pretty good rapport. We started working in a fight network. We we're both in uh, interns at the same time uh, there, and uh, they started up this fantasy sports network, and they were doing gambling content. And Cody thought it would be a good idea to, um, you know, to start doing a podcast, breaking down every single card, and, and that's like nearly what eight years ago, nine years ago now. So we've we've been at it after it for a while um yeah it's it's fun i mean uh, you know the bet sizes went up i didn't have yeah. the money for a hospital <laughs> life size cut out i saw some people in the chat i know you always tell people don't look in the chat Talk no go for it the dope behind me yeah, <laughs> yeah. give your head a shake pal it's really <laughs> amazing and you're just jealous that you probably can't afford to have a school uh life size cut out behind you right I was trying to convince people that was actually Hasbula. So uh, just saying, dude, <laughs> you should have just ran with that. It's what it is. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, you guys have been around for a long time. And obviously uh, the fact that you guys are still around and it just continues to get better and better and bigger and bigger shows that you guys made the right decision in terms of starting to do the show. So, uh, you know, even on behalf of myself and everybody else, we're very thankful that you guys stuck around and continue to do what it, do what it do and be role models, right? Like I obviously look up to guys like yourself to be able to, yeah, I, I remember before I even started my podcast, I hit you up. I'm like, dude, what do I need? How do I do this? And things of like that. And you were definitely very you, helpful. You, you've cut out a nice little like nice little spot for you. You got a nice little backdrop. You're doing it, you're doing it right over there, my friend. I appreciate it, man. All right. Let's get back to uh breaking down the cards here and not jerk each other off in front of everybody. Uh let's get into the first fight on the main card. We got uh, a Dana White contender series making his debut 
on the goddamn pay-per-view, Michael Morales going up against Trevin Giles. The line is pretty much a pick now because earlier in the week, it was actually Michael Morales that was up around that minus 140 range. Money coming in on the UFC veteran Trevin Giles. Uh, minus 115 on the Dana White Contender Series alum, and then minus 105 on Giles. I'll actually let you kick this one off. Uh, how do you feel about this matchup? Do you think the line is now correct, or do you think it was correct before with the Dana White Contender Series alum being the slight favorite? And then ultimately, who do you think ends up winning? I actually think that the line was correct before. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm surprised by the line movement in this spot. Uh, Trevin Giles did, he, he did his job. He showed up to the weight. Uh, to the weigh-ins this morning looked good at 170 pounds that's all good stuff for him so maybe that's why like the most recent line move like between you know this morning it, like I think it was like plus 120 when we did our show earlier in the week so money keeps flooding in on Trev and Giles but like I don't know this Morales kid is 22 years old I like he's got what they said on the, at least contender series got like a judo background he was able, able to land like four takedowns and they were he looked pretty solid in that respect. He's got like a five inch reach advantage here. Like got crazy out, like crazy, super long, uh, 79 inch reach. He's a, uh, I think he's a good prospect. Now is, is Trevin Giles too much for him in this, in this debut on a pay-per-view or UFC jitters go like, we have to remember there's a full crowd here. I don't know what Mike, Michael Morales has done in his other fights, but I imagine he's never been in front of like 20,000 screaming fans either. So that's something I would take into account. That's why I haven't really placed a wager because I don't exactly know how he's going to deal with a, um, you know, with being at an event like this, it's tough for anybody, let alone like a 22 year old making his UFC debut. But I think he's got some super like serious talent. The stand up is a little bit of a work in progress, but, uh, all the fundamentals are there. I'm picking him to win, um, but I don't think I'm going to get there from a betting perspective. What about you? Uh, the the Morales side, it, it's it was intriguing at first, um, but like it, it is quite disrespectful to make him a favorite against a guy in Jaws who's you know fought way better competition. Uh, you know, d won't have any UFC jitters. He's been in front of giant crowds in the past, and he has a decent skill set as well. Right, like his striking game is legit with the especially with that jab that he has, uh, very fast, uh, very quick with his hands, and he's able to get in and out pretty well, especially when he's like really on his game. Uh, the issue has kind of been like he does start to slow down later in fights, and that could possibly you know give him some issues in this spot against Morales, who seems like he can go a solid 15 minutes. Uh, I'm interested to see how Giles looks at 170 pounds though, like the way and he looked fine, man. Like he, he even tweeted out a picture or put an IG out even before the weigh-in started saying, I'm ready to go 170.4, baby. Let's, let's hop on the scale and just get me rehydrated again. So it all comes down to how he looks, you know, at 170 pounds, what it's going to do to his body. I think it was maybe 10 weeks ago that he put up a picture saying that he was 207 pounds. He got to cut 37 pounds to get down to make weight, but it seemed like he was doing it gradually. He was posting progress yeah. pictures and he was doing it properly. He looks stripped. He looks shredded. Apparently this move down to 170 pounds was something, you know, in the talks for a long time for him, but now they felt like it was a perfect time to do so. Um, 
if he is able to get off on his jab and if he doesn't have a crazy cardio dump, uh, especially something that we have to worry about with the weight cut that he had, uh, I think he touches up Morales for the majority of you know 10 to 12 minutes and, and could take home a decision in the spot. It's just his durability and his gas tank that gives me uh, issues in terms of wanting to back him and actually bet him in this spot. I'll, I'll make him my pick. He is my prediction to win this fight via decision. But, man, uh, the Morales kid, like, he got the huge rub off of Dana White uh, during that episode. Like, uh, I think as he was awarding him the contract, he goes, this kid's going to be a superstar. This kid's going to be great. All that. Like, he was just absolutely, uh, you know, just loving the kid. Uh, I will say that some of, some of the regional tape was hilarious because he's fighting just bums out there. He's not fighting anybody that really deserved to be in there. But there was one fight that was in a gym. I'm not sure if you saw this one. But they're like holding the cage together as the fight is going on. Like they go from one panel of the fence to another panel of the fence and you just see a couple people shift over and just start holding the fence up. Like even the the padding on the, the sides of the cage, they weren't even on correctly. Like it, it looked like a death trap not a not an octagon or anything it looked like a death trap but uh he, he got his hand raised there i believe he knocked out that kid as well but th that's what he's known for right knockouts good has some good uh striking good power uh, apparently he was a part of the ecuadorian wrestling team as well uh, he showcased some of that obviously in his contender series fight let's see how much it comes uh into play here against the guy in giles who i believe will be quicker to the punch but for how long and that's the main concern that i have so uh giles is the pick uh, would have been nicer at plus money, but now that it's uh, hanging around evens, again, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical. Like I said, I believe he should be the, should be the slight favorite, just given his resume and his experience and all that. But I'm still skeptical in terms of uh, uh this 170 pound weight cut for him. Let's see him do it once, and then after that, we'll we'll uh you know assess it and see if this is the actual weight class for him. All right, let's keep. Moving along here, we got four more fights to get through. Next up, we got Cody Stamen going up against Saeed Nurmagomedov. In terms of odds, uh, minus 195 on Nurmagomedov and plus 165 the return on Cody Stamen. I got in nice and early here on Cody Stamen. I thought he's a great spot. I got in at plus 200, even at plus 165. I think it's a damn good spot. Um, Saeed, he is not of the Nurmagomedov that you guys are expecting if you guys haven't seen this guy fight before. He is more of the Magomed Sharapov. Likes to throw spinning shit, likes mm -hmm. to strike, likes to play on the feet, but doesn't do anything crazy, right? Like, obviously, he has a couple of early finishes on his record. Um, uh, Mark Striegel, I believe, was one of them. Carl Hamosh was the other guy. But if this fight plays out for 15 minutes, he likes to dance on the outside and just try to slowly out-volume his opponents from the outside. I just don't think that Cody Stamen is going to get stuck at that kickboxing range. I think he's going to crash the pocket. I think he's going to look to strike, and then we'll look for takedowns after that. I think he's the better wrestler. The wrestler. I think people will burn me at the stake for saying an American wrestler is better than a Dagestani at wrestling or Samba, whatever you want to call it. But I think that Cody statement will be the one that lands more takedowns here and will likely be the one that attempts more takedowns in this spot. I think he is successful with them. He may not hold him down for extended periods of time, but I think those uh, the little bit of control time that he continues to accumulate with every single takedown is going to start to add up. And hopefully that's what the judges start seeing uh, compared to some of the pitter-patter strikes that might be coming from the outside from Saeed here. So uh, as long as Stamen does not stay at kickboxing range, 
I think he wins this fight. And he has been reliable to go for multiple takedowns if he needs to. And I feel like that's the case for this fight here. So, uh, yeah, Cody, Cody by decision, that's always his path to victory, right? He hasn't really finished anybody. And I don't see him finishing this guy in Saeed Nurmagomedov. Uh, and, and last thing about the win, Saeed. The third last guy to weigh in waits a nice full hour into the weigh-ins to finally trot his way to the scale. Looked fine on the scale to me. It didn't seem like he was compromised by any means. Uh, but uh, yeah, just felt like that needed to be pointed out. Stamen, decision. Let's fucking go. Polly Shags, what do you like? I got Stamen money line. Let's go. The other day, which which I caught your plus uh, plus two hundred there at uh, at opens, but. But yeah, no, I kind of saw this, all the same things. And like Stamen's durability has held up throughout all of his fights. He hasn't taken on too many uh, super, super flashy strikers, I suppose. And that's how I would ca- categorize uh, uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Yeah, you said uh, Zabit. And he's basically got like Zabit, but not even the Zabit wrestling, I don't think at least. But yeah, this fight really comes down to it's like. Being in the big cage may help Saeed a little bit. I, I will say fair is fair on that respect. But if you're Stamen, you got to crash the pocket. You got to get this up against the fence. You got to. You're, you're not going to win this fight fighting at range. But I saw Saeed, uh, especially against Rowney Barcelos, like he got taken down. Not really because his takedown defense was bad. It was throwing spinning techniques and you know leaving himself vulnerable for the takedown. And that's really why he lost that fight against Rowney. So. I'm with you. Stamen, Stamen by decision is a good look as well, but I'm just on the money line. Maybe we get down there and Stamen's able to like fish up a sub. Not particularly thinking that's how it goes down, but yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think there's value on the dog here, and I think the Nurmaga Madoff name is like propping up Saeed's num- uh, number because people think that he's from the same you know clan. It's as, called uh, Russian tax, Paul. It's called Russian tax, and it was absolutely not, just he's not that right. He's not the right type of Russian. He's not the be- kind of guy that I usually sink all of my money into. Um, he's quite the contrary, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, Stamen, Stamen money line for me as well. Let's get it. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Michelle Pereira going up against Andre Fialo, uh, minus 280 on Pereira, plus 225, the return on Fialo. Um, a lot of uh, confidence in Pereira from the UFC to put him in this spot. You know, third fight on the main card. Uh, they expect him to go out there and do what he does, and that's entertain the fans. Uh, I'll actually let you kick this one off, though. How, how do you feel like Fialo does in his debut in this you know, big spot, right? You're you're on the main card of a big pay-per-view. If you go out there and get a big uh, knockout victory, you automatically stamp your name in that division and people are going to want to watch you fight again. Do you think he has the chops to do that, though? I kind of feel like any single time, anytime this guy's really stepped up to the big leagues, he's definitely faltered and, and seemed out of place. Um, like, you know, even like his biggest like name win, I guess, in his MMA career would be what, James Vick? And we all know the story with James Vick. The guy's, you know, he... inflatable. What is it? The inflatable tube man? <laughs> yeah, the guy just can't. The guy had no chin, and yeah. that's the way that that fight played out. Is you, is uh, Fiala was able to just kind of barge forward and and you know put him put him out of his misery in, in round two. But uh, a lot of his other wins, like he's he's kind of beating absolute nobodies. I w- watched the Chris Curtis fight, and it looked like because you know with uh, with Pereira, the concern is uh, he doesn't really have three round cardio, particularly if he fights at a at a high pace. 
but it didn't look like Fialo really has three round cardio either from uh, from the tape that I've done. I think Michelle Pereira wins, but here's like the caveat is for a, a guy who does like backflips in the middle of the cage, um, the, a guy who throws knees against like Diego Sanchez and gets disqualified, the one against uh, Nico Price last time out where he did the backflip and then like switched into mounts. Like <laughs> if Nico Price, you know, complained a little bit more because he did complain a little bit. He yeah. complains a little bit more and pretends that he was like really, really compromised from that backflip. And then they end up, you know, they end up calling it a, a disqualification. Well, you lose the bet. And so a guy who is wild and crazy, and trust me, there's nobody out there who loves Michelle Pereira as much as I do. I love him. I, I actually kind of, I was telling Cody on the show this week, it's like, I want this guy to be in fights with no rules. Let's just, you know, these are just circus fights. We bring in the most entertaining people and watch Michelle do like backflips and crazy shit inside the octagon. We're here for entertainment at the end of the day. I, I don't really, I don't think he's going to be like a rising contender. I don't think he's ever going to have a UFC title. I want to be entertained. And this guy has one of the best uh, concoctions of skill sets to entertain us. Um, but yeah, when he's minus two, 265, minus 270, it's like now, now you start factoring in like, what if he screws up and gets himself DQ'd? Well, you're gonna lose that bet. So I don't think you can touch the money line whatsoever. I'm gonna pick him to win because he has showed a much more composed strategy to his fights most recently. Besides, obviously, the uh, Nico Price backflip into mount um, with a little bit of a head kick or a down <laughs> downed opponent head kick mixed into the mix there, but. I like Michel Pereira. I'm not going to pick against him, but I think it's really, really risky business to be parlaying him up based on, uh, one, his cardio, two, his, uh, the fact that he's uh, complete. He can, at any time, he can go into absolute YOLO mode, and YOLO mode gets you DQ'd, particularly in California. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, they seem to have a little bit of a tighter ship there in California as a commission, so... They may not be too happy with some of his antics. I'm hoping that he doesn't DQ this guy on the, you know, a pay-per-view main card. It'll be nice to see him mix in a little bit of that. But I do want to shout out my guy Alexander on the in the the comment section here or the live chat. Uh, he stole the exact word out of my mouth maturing and i feel like we're slowly seeing that from Pereira a little bit you know from going back to what uh his what was the uh daddy roberts fight all the way up until the nico price fight seeing this guy go for takedowns in the third round is brought a smile to my face let's put it that way like he's just not going out there to entertain at times he still wants to get the w and i feel like we could see him do that in this spot as well uh, I still think we'll see some of those antics early in this fight. You know, that's when he is best. His speed, his agility, his movement. That's when it's at his best in rounds one and maybe, you know, a round and a half or so. Then it starts to fall off. Then you see the maturity in his game where he doesn't just focus on the the antics and all that. He does try to go for takedowns. He tries to get into the clinch, tries to make it dirtier and make it optically more appealing to the judges. And I feel like that's what's going to happen here in Fialo. Um I will say this. Uh, I felt pretty decent about the Pereira by decision. And then your boy, Cody, or our boy, Cody, brought up some pretty damn good points last time around where he feels like Fialo just doesn't have the durability to deal with some of the power and agility from Pereira earlier in this fight. But as this fight starts to wear on, I feel like it's going to get harder for Pereira to put this guy away. Uh, like you touched on, Fialo has a questionable gas tank, and that could come into play in this spot because 
you know, for people that, you know, don't know, uh, Fialo actually took the fight on short notice. It was supposed to happen last week when, uh, um, fucking, who was it? Salikov. Salikov was supposed to fight Pereira. Salikov pulls out, insteps Fialo. Uh, I believe Fialo's coach test positive for COVID. They pushed the fight back one week. So we got to wonder where he's at in that aspect as well with his cardio and his full preparation. Um, but I feel like we're going to see Pereira touch him up with the speed early in this fight, then just put together a full MMA game in the second and third round and take him a decision in this spot. Uh, I feel like if you are looking at uh, Fialo at all, you got to look at the KO, right? That seems to be his only path of victory in this spot. Uh, he has some decent power in his hands. If anybody saw his last win against Stefan Sekulic, former UFC fighter, the dude absolutely blasted him with an elbow in the clinch and flatlined the dude. Uh, but Fialo KO is sitting at plus 400. Uh, but I'm liking Pereira by decision, which is currently sitting around plus 200 as well. So uh, I like Pereira. Seems like you like Pereira as well. Not a good debut spot for Fialo. But it is what it is. At least we get Pereira on the card. All right. Co-main event time. We're talking about the first title fight on the card. We got champion, new champion, we should say, Brandon Moreno coming in at minus 180, plus 160, the return on former champion Davison Figueredo. I believe this is the first time in history of the MMA where two guys have fought each other three straight times consecutively. And uh, for good reason. I think that uh, they should be fighting for three times, right? The first fight goes to a draw. Uh, I feel as though uh, the one of those judges, Junichiro Camillo, uh, failed to score round five correctly, and that fight more than likely would have gone towards Figueredo, as one judge had already given them, him the fight 48-46. We might not have even gotten the rematch if Davison got his hand raised that right, night, right? Now here we are two, almost uh, a year and a half later going down for the third time. Uh, but again, they delivered in that first fight. It was a fun fight. Uh, even if Figueredo got his hand raised that night. I'm sure people would have been like, okay, Moreno might just need to take another fight or two, and these guys will likely fight again. Uh, but they get the rematch, they get the draw, and then Moreno goes out there and absolutely, uh, again, just, just dominates him, essentially, uh, and gets that finish later in that fight. But I don't know about you, Paul. That that didn't look like Figueredo to me. That looked like uh, you know uh, a wannabe. That looked like somebody that just put on a Figueredo jumpsuit and jumped into that cage. That did not look like the God of War that we're used to seeing. Some people are attributing to him regressing. Some people saying that he's getting too old. Some people are saying it's the weight cut. All of that, I think, will be you know resolved tomorrow, uh, especially considering that he probably looked the best he ever did on the scales this morning. At 124 pounds, had a ton of energy on the scale, even jogged his way to the scale, uh, and was the second guy to weigh in after his uh, opponent, Brandon Moreno. Uh, so I think that was kind of a message you wanted to show to people. And we've all seen that picture floating around the webs right now where he looks absolutely shredded with those two other guys. Uh, and, and great, it looks it looks phenomenal. But now bring that shit to the cage with you. I mean, there's, there's a huge difference in terms of how we saw his demeanor in the first fight and the second fight. Again, I'll always shout out my guy, John Kelly, who brought this to the Twitter timelines, you see the first fight, he starts off the fight with a spinning back, back kick that lands cleanly to the body, and from there continues to establish his uh, his dominance with his power especially. Then in the second fight, he lets Moreno lead the dance. He doesn't really do too much there. So I'm hoping fire once again, and he can go in there and make Moreno respect him once again by putting that power on him. And I feel like we could see that this weekend which is why I actually backed Davison Figueredo here at for two units at plus 150. I think it's a damn good spot. Um, 
I think the line should be closer to a pick em. Like, there's no way you're telling me that Davidson in the first fight went from minus 330 to the second fight where he went to minus 210, and now all of a sudden he's a plus 150 underdog. Again, I get the fight went the way that it did the second time, but this is one of those, if the fight played out 10 times, how many different ways does it play out? We've saw, we've seen it play out where Davison likely should have won a decision the first time. Now we see Moreno dominate the, him the second time. How likely is it that he dominates him the second time in a row in this third fight? I don't know. I don't see it happening. I see this fight going the full five rounds. I see Davison winning it off of his uh, uh, bigger shots, big pressure. It would be nice to get a finish, but it's going to be di very difficult to put away a guy like Brandon Moreno who's taken every single shot and the kitchen sink, uh, even in that first fight. So it'd be difficult to see that happen. But I still believe in Davison. Say what you want about his cardio issues. The guy won the fifth round in that last fight. I've seen some people say that he had an arm injury there. But again, you can put some output. You can put something together for Moreno to win that fifth round. He didn't have it that night. Davison did. I think he can replicate it again tomorrow night. I'm going Davison Figueredo and you plus 150 plus 450 on the decision prop as well, which I think is a damn good line. Give me and you for Dos Toguera, Davison Figueredo. How do you like this one? I'm picking Davison Figueredo, but I kind of think I'm, I'm kind of torn about whether this is like a 50 50 type of situation or whether the current lines are close to correct and maybe it's like a 60 40 because I do think that. Brandon Moreno, his durability, his pace, his ability, his cardio, his, his ability to fight five rounds and go deep um, is a bit of a problem for Figueredo, who is going to land big, strong, powerful shots. And I guess he did win round five against them, uh, between them in the, first, in the first time around. And obviously, whatever, the judge didn't, didn't get it right. But um, I think it's about right. Yeah, uh, the, the price right now. Because my biggest concern about Figueredo, as a as an aging man myself, and in no way am I comparing my fat ass to Davidson Figueredo. <laughs> Don't get it wrong, but thirty four years old in the bantam or, or in the flyweight division, it's like you see, it, it's like a story as old as time. It's just like uh, Demetrius Johnson. It's like starts to get into his mid thirties and he starts to fall off cliff it's such a young man's game and uh, Dave uh, Brandon Moreno has been around for so long he's I mean he was in the UFC was released by the UFC came back he's still only 28 years old I think he is kind of skill for skill power for power I like Davison Figueredo I think he's he's just such a dynamic striker a dynamic finisher at 125 pounds and a guy that I think kind of saved the division to a degree that you know, it was on the way out the door. Obviously, yeah. Henry Saludo saved the division, but um, Davison made it interesting. because, like, oh, my God, look at this little guy. Like, what a, what a little freak. He's so strong. He's, you know, ice and fools. But, yeah, Moreno's durability and his cardio and his well-roundedness makes it a very, very difficult fight. So if I was forced to make a play, it's actually Davison Figueredo money line. Um the plus 150, there's probably some plus 160s out there. There's a couple plus 160s out there right now. I think that is likely the value, but I could see it being, yeah, like a 60-40 type of proposition. This is a close fight anyway you shake it. I just wouldn't – I wouldn't take Brandon Moreno at the money lines of like minus 200 that are out there. That's what – I can guarantee that much. I don't think I'm going to get there from a betting perspective. Obviously, we'll be watching live, and we'll see if we can jump on something there.
for sure. Uh, it's just hilarious to me that like the people that are claiming Figueredo was untouchable at one time, and now all of a sudden, all over the Brandon Moreno side. After one fight, again, every fight turns out differently. Not all the time you're going to get the exact same fight, so we'll see how it turns out this time around. And we'll see if you know the the teaming up with Henry Cejudo and Team Fight Ready uh, will do anything positive for Figueredo in the spot. Didn't work out the best for Wiley Zhang when she did it. Let's see if uh, Davison Figueredo can switch that around and uh, come out with the dub this weekend. All right. We're just about to hop into the main event here. Another time for me to remind the 170 live viewers that we currently have. Make sure you guys hit that like and hit that subscribe. And then show my guy Paul some love as well. Hit him on the Twitters at Paul Shag. And then obviously, if you guys don't already, uh, make sure you guys check out the Dog or Pad or Pass podcast. I believe that's every Wednesday, right? You guys drop that? Every Wednesday. Yeah, we only we have people who ask every single week. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> we've been releasing the show. We record at the same time. Wednesday, folks. At least within like an hour or two, depending on yeah. you know, a number of production things and stuff oh, like that. Trust me. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All, yeah. right. All right. Let's get into the main event here. Francis Ngannou, plus 125. Cetal minus 145. What a fucking fight, Paul. Um, I, I haven't been this excited for a heavyweight fight since... I was telling Cody the other day, um, Julio Dos Santos versus Cain Velasquez, two, specifically number two, just because of how the first one played out. We had one minute of action, uh, but we know uh, how that fight obviously played out now, where Cain Velasquez beats on him for about 50 minutes of time and takes years off of Junior Dos Santos there. But I feel like this fight is going to be closer than those two fights ended up playing out with, you know, near misses from Francis Ngannou with those giant bombs that he has, that he calls hands. And then Cyril Ghan obviously doing what he has to do on the outside. I'm not going to take forever to break this fight down because it is the easiest fight to break down on the card. Cyril's fists go brrr, or Cyril Ghan stays on the outside, chips away at him, and either finishes him late in this fight or gets that decision victory. I more so am leaning towards Cyril Ghan uh, finessing his way to either a fourth or fifth round uh, TKO stoppage uh, or even a submission. I'm hoping that he goes back into his bag of tricks and looks for a submission in this spot, late takedowns. You know, people can say what they want about Stipe or the, the Stipe fight for Francis Ngannou. Oh, he looks ever improved. He does. Don't get me wrong. The guy's throwing jabs now, finally. The guy's jabbing his way to, you know, throwing those big strikes. Decent uh, leg kicks as well, which I think could play a factor into this fight if he tries to lay on them a little bit more early in this fight. Uh, and then the, the ever uh, acclaimed... <laughs> fucking stuffing of the takedown oh my god he pushed the head down and he stopped the takedown everybody's rushing to to the betting windows to say this guy is gonna reign the division for a long time which could absolutely happen if he gets past little gun in my opinion gun is the only guy that you can put up against him that has a chance of beating him and evading that big shot he might eat a couple but I feel with his movement, his footwork, all that type of stuff, he should be able to take away the brunt of that impact and hopefully still be alive uh, and then go from there and uh, pretty much chip away at him. It's not like we haven't seen Ngannou go the full 25 minutes and look like he's about to heal over and die. You know what I mean? We saw him go the 50 minutes against Derek Lewis. Say what you want about his mentality going into that fight is what it is. I like Sirogan here. Best fighter in the heavyweight division skill-wise, and I think that shows tomorrow night. I have a play on Saragon at minus one one eighteen. I also have pokes on his uh, round four and round five as well at plus seventeen hundred and plus twenty five hundred. Polly Shags, lay it on me. Hug those nuts. 
show me show, show me what you want or show me what you like uh for Francis Ngannou. I think here here's what it really comes out. I love both of these guys. I've always um so I backed them pretty much every single time. I believe every single time either one of them has fought. Gon's had some like pretty crooked numbers that have been like next yeah. to incredible um in some of his matchups. But um I told myself a long time ago that if you are going to give me plus money on Francis Ngannou against any person on earth, and these two guys are wearing four-ounce gloves, that I'm going to take that plus money. So I'm on Francis Ngannou, money line plus 133. Francis Ngannou by knockout, plus 175. Um, I think a lot of the lead-up to this is is maybe, like, fabricated. I'm not entirely... Yeah. Like, it seems like the, you know, them being training partners. And Francis is kind of like shitting on a whole bunch of it, <laughs> yeah. too. It's like, they were like, we weren't really training partners. He's like, we we had like six sessions together, man. It's like, don't stop trying to pretend that like we crafted each other and we made each other who we were. He's just like, I was already living in Vegas. And like, the UFC probably cringes a little bit because they love these storylines, obviously. Trust me, I, I'm not going to be shocked on Saturday night if Cyril Gon goes out there. He fights the perfect fight. It's like the bull versus the matador, right? I just think the matador is getting fucked up in this situation. <laughs> I think he's going to try to slip, and and the the bull's about to rip. And uh, I don't know. Frank Francis came in at 257. He looked lean, mean. I don't think necessarily it has to be in round one. In round two against Stipe Miocic, the second uh, Stipe Miocic two. He still had power in those hands. Even like their first fight, he landed like a fourth round shot. That still yeah. stumbled Stipe. Um, and I thought, you know, a lot of people really shit on him and his mentality for that Derek Lewis fight went down the absolute shitter. Um, but I thought him being able to go five rounds and not quit on himself against Stipe Miocic was super, super important. So I wouldn't be shocked to see like a gone by decision. I wouldn't be surprised to see gone late. Um, but I think in the first two rounds, Francis Ngannou is just going to land a heater. Um, I mean, Cyril, uh, obviously Ngannou throws a lot less volume, but Volkov landed like 110 significant strikes against, uh, against Gon. If you take 110 significant strikes from Ngannou, who would never actually throw that many because he would be <laughs> healed over and dead. Don't get me wrong, but... I think he is hittable. You saw in the JDS fight up against the cage. He took a shot. He yeah. took it really, really well. But Ngannou hits so damn hard, and he's so damn fast and athletic in those first two rounds that I'm backing my boy again. Um, and and we'll find out on Saturday night. So stoked. Love both guys. I think both of them are great champions for the heavyweight division. A lot of intriguing fights in the future. And there's no guarantee that we don't see these guys run it back yeah. at some point in the future, depending on how – everything plays out with contracts and all that stuff. But uh, it's a great time for the heavyweight division. And I will say this right now. Both of these guys are going to kill John Jones. Oh, uh, yeah. John I can Jones see that. doesn't want the smoke from either one of these guys. That's why he's he's been off for, what, like a year and a half now. He was never a power puncher at uh, 205 pounds. I, I, he's putting on a lot of mass. Who knows what he's what he's up to to put on all of this mass. A, a lot of hard work, obviously. He's taking his, uh, you know, his strength and conditioning very seriously, I would imagine. Um, but I think, I think John Jones is going to be watching this fight on Saturday night and goes, 
oh my god calling his dietitian get me back to 205 he a lot of his advantages that he had over people it really came down to like reach his ability to you know the little push kicks to the to the kneecaps and uh long arms at 205 he had that advantage over everybody both of these guys you're right in punching range when you're when you're when you're throwing shots with these guys and i'm not sure he's going to be able to take it i know this isn't about john jones but oh no uh, but it's relevant though it is absolutely relevant. probably next yeah well, we'll see we'll see again that he's been out uh like february is going to be exactly two years since this guy has been in the cage and Again, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the contracts and all that stuff. That is a little bit of a question mark in regards to Francis. If he wins or loses, how that's going to play out. And then Cyril Gunn, obviously, what he wants to do after that. But, man, that press conference, just going back to that, was one of the weirdest press conferences I've ever seen. And I think Dana was just – or just absolutely hates it when the guys that are up there, especially when all of them up there, their primary language is not English. I think he just, I think his brain just short circuits and he's just like, what's happening right now? Like seeing Francis and Cyril just arguing with each other and then coming to a mutual agreement afterwards was probably the funniest shit I've ever seen. He's like, I think, I think it was Cyril that's like, I think we need to redefine the term uh, teammate. I'm like, okay, like, thanks for being so civil, Cyril. Who was that guy who was uh schmuck, was like, the, the schmuck over there? The yeah, not the smoke, yeah, but the fucking you better the watch guy. your back walk walking around Anaheim, California. I'll oh, tell yeah. you that much. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want an angry Francis and Ganu. You know, he's he's got a that guy's gotta keep his head down for the next few days because Francis seems like a pretty nice guy, but there's a twitch there. When that yeah. twitch goes off, bad things happen. Exactly. But regardless, we are still going to get a fucking phenomenal fight okay. this weekend, man. I can't wait. The top two fights absolutely sell the card in itself. Uh, luckily for us Canadians, the pay-per-view price is still the same, not compared to the $74.99 that uh, the USD people are paying. Uh, but we'll see who's going to be paying for the pay-per-view come this weekend. Regardless, I already made my purchase. I'm just saying that. I made my purchase. I'm, I do not want to miss any bit of this fight or this fight card so i'm going to be making sure that i'm good to go with that all right last thing and then we'll sign off here uh lock of the night plays or your most confident play on the card um i'm personally going with a little bit of a parlay here there's two spots that i really like uh i took harani barcelos when he was closer to minus 330 i put him together with the um uh, with the Jack Della Maddalena and Pete Rodriguez fight to not go to decision. The odds on that are minus 170. I got 800 bucks on that. That's my lock of the night play. What do you like in here, Paul? Uh, I mean, what I've got the most money on out of all of them, that's how we'll classify the quote-unquote lock. Um, Francis Ngannou, I mean, money line plus 133. I got the plus 175, plus 165. Seems to be the best price on Nganu by KO. Um, let's just, let's, we'll play it a little bit easy. Maybe, maybe there's a Anthony Bumbleton, uh, you know, <laughs> submission in the, in the works here or something like that. But I think Francis is gonna, I liked what I saw from the weigh-ins. I think Francis yeah. is gonna get it done uh, tomorrow night. I have, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Everything, all of the narratives and other shit that I had heard leading up to this week is like, it kind of seems to be, it seems like it was all a whole bunch of noise. Like Francis seems pretty focused. He looked like he was in good shape. UFC, yeah, we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about off the top of the show or or before the show, but they got this NFT project. Yep. And Francis happens to be 
um, you know, a fixture in that, which is like, I don't know if the UFC would have put him in that position with Dapper Labs as like, yeah. uh, if they were trying to get rid of him. So that seems kind of weird. I think a lot of it was like all hype to try to hype up a fight between two really, really nice, gentle giants who have nothing but respect for each other. But uh, yeah, Nganu plus money is an auto play. It always will be an auto play. And that's just how I am. There you go. And I got to show my guy Kaiser here because I cannot unsee this now. What Paul say? Shag looks like the Canadian Tuivasa. <laughs> Maybe. I, I can't unsee it, bro. Do the, do the, the, he does those like his chin back type of thing. <laughs> I can't, God damn it. All right. All right. I, I can't unsee it now. I, I, I apologize, Paul, but now you are the Canadian Tuivasa to me. But, even Shui. though you are the Canadian Tui, the Shui Vasa, there we go, exactly. And he likes himself a Shui, so it all fits, it all works out. He's going to be doing one when Francis Ngannou gets the job done. <laughs> People are trying to get me to do a Shui bet with Cody for uh, Moreno and Figueredo. I'm like, I don't do Shuis, dog. I, Cody's I always do trying to get Cody, Cody's, and that's why I knew that he would take it with me, is that Cody's always trying to get that minus number on the Shui bet. So if I ever have like a dog, if I ever have a dog take, he always, well, he, in fairness, one time he, he took Justin Gaethje against Habib as a shoey bet, which was oh, just yes. an all-time blunder for Cody Saptic. But we love him, and he's he's the go for, for many reasons. Absolutely. I got to figure out what kind of bet I'm doing with him. I'm, I want to DM with him. One idea I had was, like, our show usually lasts, like, an hour and 40-ish minutes or so. I'm like, I'll do it. If I lose, I will do a shot of something every 15 or 20 minutes. That's what I'll do. I'm not doing a shoe out of a or drink a beer out of a shoe. I can't do any of that shit. You can do a shoe if you lose, but I'm not doing no shoey. I will take a shot every 15 or 20 minutes for the next episode that we do together. I'm hoping that he agrees to that because I would more than I would be more than happy to do that. So we'll see how that goes down. All right, Paul. Uh, I really appreciate you. Really appreciate you bringing your boy Hasbulla to the show as well. I'm sure he's going with Francis as well. Um, any last minute things you want to say here before we hop off the stream? Uh, then I can wrap this thing up. <laughs> not no not really uh yeah check out dogger pass every single week wednesday nights around 7 p.m <laughs> eastern it usually drops uh yeah check out that with me and my boy cody Sat. if you if you know manpreet then you've been you know following him you know who cody is who pops in on the uh, on the pay-per-view cards uh at this point he used to do them every single week um but yeah yeah check out dog and pass podcast and um yeah support the entire community because you know there's a lot of sometimes there's a lot of people we're all trying to fight against each other within this we're all in it together i know people think it's completely lame but it is really actually us against the books like i i'm happy for other people when they win i, I would prefer to win myself but i'm never really actively rooting against other people's bets i don't want to see people lose like you know those those the sports books are making enough money so we need to uh we need to get what's ours exactly and thanks to you guys and everybody else that's uh providing the betting content for us we're trying to make sure the bookies are the ones on the losing end more often than not all right uh, on behalf of myself and paul we appreciate you guys checking out the stream uh tomorrow 1 p.m eastern i'll be doing a fight day live chat i'll be with you guys for about an hour or so taking all last uh uh, last minute questions comments and concerns just to help you guys make any wagers that you guys want to make and uh yeah and talk about knock on and knock on wood any late cancellations on fights too we can talk about that as well uh but yeah appreciate everybody checking us out uh hit that like and subscribe on the way out follow my guy paul on twitter at paul shag and obviously paul, follow the dogger pass podcast as well see you guys 
next week, War. Let's go with Dos de Guerra. War, the God of War. Yeah. Give some Figueredo. Let's fucking go. 